Number 18 of the Mary Frances Storybook Tiny's Adventures in Tiny Town. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Alan Lawley. Before it grows dark, I have something to show you. One of the most interesting sights on Story Island, said the story lady. But we must hasten, because darkness falls here very suddenly. It drops like a curtain all at once. Together they walked down the castle steps and through the town. All was so strange to Mary Frances. The houses, the streets, everything was so fairy-like or story-like, and yet so familiar that it seemed as if she had seen them all before. "'You live in Storyland, indeed,' said Mary Frances, gazing eagerly about her. "'Yes,' returned the Story Lady. "'We are not a very matter-of-fact people.' Soon they came to a beautiful park on the outskirts of the town. "'This is the Queen's Garden,' said the Story Lady. "'Here are many of the trees.' flowers and birds you read about in the storybooks. Oh, oh, cried Mary Frances with delight as she looked about her. Many of the wonders were strange, but here and there others were familiar and she lingered to examine them. Not too long, warned the story lady, smiling, or darkness will overtake us. Here is a surprise for you. They came to an enclosure surrounded by a white picket fence about a foot high. What a tiny little town, cried Mary Frances, looking down. Yes, that is what we call it. Tiny town. Why, it's just like the towns at home, said Mary Frances, looking closer. There's the school and the flagstaff, the public square and the fountain, the church, the firehouse, the stores, the houses just as they are at home. Oh, where did you get it? We found it in your country, replied the story lady, and we brought it here and set it up just as you see it, and named it after Tiny, the girl who discovered it. But it's a long story. Oh, won't you tell me the story? Yes, this evening. Mary Frances walked all around the fence and examined the little town minutely. To think of finding that on Story Island, she exclaimed. At the same time, she felt a little pang of homesickness, but said nothing about it. Now we must hasten home, said the story lady. As it was broad daylight, Mary Frances thought it rather strange to hurry so. But just as they reached the castle, darkness fell and the daylight went, just as if someone had pressed a button and shut it out. That evening, while they were resting comfortably in their apartments, the story lady related Tiny's adventures in Tiny Town, just as they are set down here. Tiny was out in the woods hunting chestnuts, when a bird flew overhead, a bright-coloured bird. Tiny saw the bird twice before. She was certain it was a flicker. At first it seemed like a golden streak of yellow as it flew by, but when it rested on a low bush, 
she felt sure there wasn't any yellow about it. Instead, it was a bluish grey and brown. On its head was the most beautiful crescent of red. Its throat was a warm leaf brown, speckled with polka dots of black. Strange, thought Tiny, tiptoeing nearer and nearer. Oh no, it's not strange at all. Why, it's a flicker. A golden-winged woodpecker. Its wings are lined with yellow. Of course it looked like a yellow bird when flying overhead. Wick, 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 follow me. The bird flew on a little farther. I will catch up soon, birdie, Tiny called, and hurried to the branch where the bird was sitting. Wick, wick, on and on it flew, Tiny following, when suddenly it disappeared entirely, and there was Tiny miles out in the forest, and not knowing the way back home at all, and not a single thing to eat, either. My now, I'm scared, but I won't cry. I'm nine years old and I won't cry. I'll look around and see if there isn't something I can think to do. But a big tear blinded her eye. Where's my handkerchief? Wherever did I put my handkerchief? She looked in her pocket. But if I'm not going to cry, what do I need it for? She asked herself and brushed away a big drop with the back of her hand. Ho, ho, look, Tiny laughed so that the woods echoed and no wonder she did. For just at her feet lay the tiniest little bit of a town, with real houses no bigger than bird houses, real people too, not much taller than pins, real street lamps no bigger than pencils, real carts no bigger than peanuts, real horses no bigger than the katydids. In the centre of the town was a lovely little fountain. From the fountain, Walks lead in four directions. Houses and public buildings were along these walks, and scattered on the green lawns were pretty flower beds. Oh, what a lovely cottage! cried Tiny, spying a beautiful little house near the edge of the village. I'm going to pick it up. Now, I'll stoop down and look at it. People may be inside. If I pick it up, they might be hurt and frightened. She leaned over and examined it closely, but was careful not to step into the town. The walls were covered with vines, and geraniums bloomed at the windows. Charming white curtains hung on the sashes, showing off the brilliant colour of the geraniums. Smoke was coming out of the chimney. My, the people who live at that cottage must be getting supper, the little girl spoke softly to herself. It seems to me I can smell it cooking. What tiny little bits of dishes they must use. Smaller than the littlest ones I own. Why, an acorn would be almost large enough for a bathtub for the house. Tiny laughed gaily at the idea. I'll wait here for a minute or two to see if anybody comes out of the door, she said. Taking a seat on the twisted roots of a nearby tree. But... Although she waited patiently for several minutes, no one appeared.
How I wonder who lives in such a dear little home, she thought. It must be fun to live in such a beautiful little house. My, isn't the whole town too sweet for anything? How I'd like to live there. She put her toe on the gravel walk which led across the tiny little town, and, in a second, she was no longer a big girl. She was as little as a pin herself. Only, of course, not so thin as a pin, but just the right size for the house. Part 2 Tiny rubbed her tiny little eyes with her tiny little hand and looked about her in amazement. She was very near the cottage she had so much admired. I'd love to peep in the window, she thought, but it would be so rude. I guess I'll walk over toward the fountain. Oh, here comes a hand organ and a little monkey. Tiny put her hand in her pocket to find a penny. But all she found there were three chestnuts, each no bigger than a period. Poor little monkey, said Tiny, as he came up to her, lifting his hat. You must be tired. I wonder if you'd like these nuts. The monkey smelled of the nuts, lifted his hat, looked at his master, and nodded his thanks, began to eat them. He no tired, said the Italian organ grinder. He work only two hours a day. Good, said Tiny. Does he play the rest of the day? He play, 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 smiled the man, and passed down the street. My, thought Tiny as she walked along. I wish I'd taken some money with me this morning. If I had a nickel, I'd buy some bananas from the banana man's food stand. I certainly am hungry. Want bananas? inquired the man as she stood looking at his wares. Tiny nodded. I haven't any money, she said, trying to keep from crying. Never mind, smiled the man. I had a little girl once. She gone. She die. I give bananas to you. He handed her half a dozen bananas, no bigger than pencil points. Oh, thank you, said Tiny. I'll never forget how kind you are. But the man was on his way down the street before she finished. She felt much better after eating and stood for quite a while watching the little fountain play and splash. Away in the distance she heard a dog bark and at the edge of the village she saw a tiny newsboy and with him a tiny dog, no bigger than a capital letter. Under his arm he carried tiny newspapers, no bigger than postage stamps. Not much news in such a tiny paper, thought Tiny, watching this fountain splash. Someday I'll buy one and see what it says. Suddenly she realized it was getting dark. People passed her by and went into the houses. She felt very lonely and a little frightened. Oh dear, she thought. I do wonder where I'll sleep tonight. I wonder if it's against the law to sleep on the park benches. She went over and sat down on one. I guess I'll try sleeping here anyhow. She was just going to stretch out when she saw a policeman coming toward her just as fast as he could walk. Come, come, he said. Who are you? I've never seen you around here before. 
What's your name? Where do you live? Please, Mr. Policeman, Tiny tried to keep her voice from shaking. My name is Tiny, and I'm lost. Tiny? Tiny? Tiny what? What's your other name? They call me Tiny Girl, said Tiny. Tiny Girl, grunted the policeman. Girl, I'd never heard of a Mr. Girl or a Mrs. Girl around here. Oh, I know. I understand now. You've run away from home. That's what you've done. Oh, no, sir, began Tiny. But the policeman took her hand and walked toward the town hall. You'll have to sleep over there tonight, said he, pointing to the building, in care of the police matron. And in the morning, we'll see what we can find out. Children that run away, we always put in the lockup. They were inside the door now, and the policeman rapped three times on the tiny table. Out came the police matron. Tiny thought she looked rather severe. Matron, said the policeman, I found this little girl on one of the park benches. She cannot tell me where she lives. She says she's lost and that her last name is girl. Tiny girl. You know there are no family of the name of girl in this whole town. Put her to sleep in a bed and if anything turns up tonight to show who she is, I'll let you know. In the morning, we'll investigate. Good night. Good night, Mr. Officer, said the police matron. Come, she said to Tiny. Let me wash you and comb your hair and give you some bread and milk. I'm certainly sorry such a little girl should be a runaway. Your clothes show you have a careful mother. I didn't run away, sobbed Tiny. I tell you I didn't. How did you come here, then? asked the matron, stopping combing her hair. I was a big, real girl, said Tiny, and, and I was walking in the woods with my mother's permission, when a bird flew ahead of me, and he beckoned me to come on. I wandered and wandered, and I came to this place. I stepped on the walk, and, and, and I melted into the tiny little thing I am. So there. How I wish I had my mother. Oh, what a story. What an awful story, cried the police matron. Stop right away. We don't allow children to tell lies here. It's not a story, began Tiny. But the police matron dragged her to a tiny bedroom and undressed her and put her to bed. You'll have your supper in bed, said she. Then I'll be sure of where you are and she bought a bowl no bigger than a cherry stone full of bread and milk for Tiny's supper. At first Tiny couldn't eat a mouthful, but she was really very hungry, and finally she ate it all up. Mother will find me somehow, she thought, as she slipped out of bed and knelt to say her prayers. Part 3 The next morning Tiny was awakened by a knock at her door. Good morning, smiled the police matron. I have a delightful surprise for you. Good morning. What can it be? cried Tiny. Did my mother? You've nearly guessed, nodded the police matron. 
helping her put on her shoes and stockings. You're going to have a mother for a dear old lady. Mrs. Bountiful wants to adopt you. To adopt me? Why? I thought all adopted children lived in orphanages. Oh, my, no, exclaimed the police matron. Children that run away are often... I didn't run away, Tiny stamped her tiny foot. I tell you, I didn't. Come, come, said the police matron. You don't want me to tell your new friend that you have a bad temper and tell stories. Tiny certainly did not. And as she was now washed and dressed, she went downstairs with the police matron. Here she is, madam, said the police matron very politely, as she led Tiny to where the dearest bit of an old lady was sitting. Oh, you dear child, exclaimed the tiny lady. You've had no breakfast, have you? I just got up, whispered Tiny, not liking her to think that the matron had been neglectful. Well, well, smiled the little old lady. We'll soon see to that. I have my automobile outside. Goodbye, Mrs. Matron. And taking Tiny by the hand, she went out. This is my son, said the little old lady as they walked up to the car. He can drive an automobile beautifully. She counts with Tiny, Martin. How do you do? Pleased to meet you, said Martin, lifting his tiny cap. Let us drive right home, said his mother. This dear little girl hasn't had any breakfast. They climbed in, and away Martin drove. Down the street, through the village park, past the fountain, over to the edge of the village. Up to... Where do you think? Right up in front of the cottage, which Tiny had first seen in the little village. Oh, isn't it a beautiful home, she cried. How glad we are that you like it, said the little lady. Welcome to Rose Cottage. Walk right in. Welcome to Rose Cottage, cried a new voice as they entered. It was a shrill, nasal voice. Tiny looked around but saw no one. Look, I'm right here, cried the voice again. The little lady laughed. All right, Polly, she called. And Tiny saw in one corner of the room a pretty green and red and yellow pole parrot. She wanted to go nearer and pet him, but his mistress hurried her to the breakfast table. Let us take a drive, called out Polly presently. Why, yes, let us. Shall we go now, Martin? asked Mrs. Bountiful. Yes, mother, smiled the big boy. Take us all, called Polly. Take us all. Don't forget the monk. Why, asked Tiny, who had been very quiet. What does he mean? He means, laughed the little lady, that we take Martin's pet monkey and Polly for a drive quite often, and they are both very much spoiled. Oh, how lovely, cried Tiny. Have you a monkey too? Martin brought the monkey, and his mother took the parrot, and they all got into the automobile. Where do we go to first, mother? asked Martin. Will you excuse me, dear? the little lady asked. If I whisper, I want to surprise you. 
Tony nodded and smiled, as his mother leaned over to reach Martin's ear. They drove along the park and over into the business part of the village, up to the livery stables, and stopped. Good morning, ma'am, the livery man said. Bring him out, nodded the little lady, and the man disappeared into the stables. Soon he led out the dearest little brown and white Shetland pony, no bigger than a cricket. Oh, 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 cried Tiny. I'd like to kiss him. The little old lady laughed delightedly. He's yours, she cried. Get out and try to ride him. Martin helped her into the wee saddle, and the livery man gave her a tiny whip, and the pony cantered all the way down the street and back again. Oh, I never thought I'd own a real life pony, sighed Tiny, patting the little thing's neck. It seems too good to be true. Let us go down to the candy shop, said Tiny's fairy godmother. The candy shop wasn't far away, and when they drew up outside, Martin fastened the pony to the lamppost. The little old lady took Tiny into the shop. Here, dear, she said, opening her purse, are two dollars. Spend them both. You can have all the candy and ice cream you want. So Tiny ate five plates of ice cream and three boxes of candy. It was splendid, she said to the little lady when they gotten home. I'd like to kiss you for all these lovely times. I'm so glad, dear motherless child, said the little lady with tears in her eyes. But I'm not motherless, began Tiny. There, there, we'll forget all about that, interrupted her new mother. That night, she tucked Tiny into bed quite early. I must tell you about Tiny's bedroom. All the woodwork and furniture were white. On the floor was a rose-colored carpet with a border of pink and white roses and green leaves. At the windows were white curtains with pink roses along each edge. On the little white bureau was a tiny set of golden brushes and combs and boxes and bottles, and in a gold vase on the dressing table was a very beautiful bouquet of tiny real roses. Everything was so sweet that Tiny used up nearly every word of praise she knew, and she fell asleep before the little lady had finished tucking her in bed. It must have been near midnight when Tiny was awakened very suddenly by an awful pain. She cried out loudly for her mother. The little lady hastened to her room. You poor dear, she cried. Martin shall go immediately for Dr. Curum. Martin was back with the doctor before Tiny realized he had started. Well, well, said the doctor, looking Tiny over. This young lady has been having a good time, eh? Oh, doctor, cried the little old lady. Will she die? Is it my fault? I gave her too much candy. Don't worry, smiled the doctor, quickly opening his case. These medicines will cure her. I will stay with you, dear, said the little lady, after seeing the doctor to the door. Tiny soon fell asleep. I did not wake until early daylight. My, I feel all right, she thought, stretching her little arms 
over her head. How glad I am. But what smells so queer? I believe it's smoke. Oh, it is. Something's on fire. She sprang out of bed. The little lady had fallen asleep in the tiny white rocking chair on the other side of Tiny's bed. She looked so sweet in her rose kimono, with a sweet smile on her lips, that Tiny hadn't the heart to waken her. How tired she must be, thought Tiny. I'll find out where the fire is first. She slipped into her clothes and was soon out of doors. She saw immediately where the fire was over on the next avenue, where smoke and flame were coming out of the roof of a building. Oh, oh, thought Tiny, what shall I do? I know, as she spied the pony in the stable where Martin had put him the night before. I'll ride over to the firehouse and tell them, and then I'll ride to the house and warn the people. Do your best, love, Trot, she whispered to the dappled pony. He pricked up his ears and picked up his feet, and in no time to speak of, Tiny was at the firehouse. Just as he reached the door, a big dog, at least it seemed big to Tiny, but was almost the size of Lovetrot, came around the corner of the building. He raised up his head and barked as he ran toward her. Tiny was so scared that she quickly jumped on the pony and was going to ride away, when a window of the firehouse opened and a man called out. Don't be afraid, little girl. That's Big Jim, the fire dog. He helps with all the fires. He won't bite you. Lie down, Jim. Jim spread himself down at the pony's side, wagged his tail, and looked up at Tiny with big brown eyes which seemed to say he was sorry he frightened her. She soon explained her errand, and was riding at full speed to the house that was on fire. Down the street clanged the engine drawn by the beautiful little fire horses. Then came the hose wagon, and then all the firemen with the ladders, and Big Jim, who was riding as though he were the most important member of the fire company. Meanwhile, the little lady awoke, she sniffed the air and opened her eyes. Tiny, she said. How are you, dear? It seems to me I smell smoke. Doesn't it to you? She looked at the bed. Where has the child gone, she cried. All her clothes are gone too. Martin, Martin, she called. Martin, get right up and go to the police station in the town hall. Tiny has run away, has run away again. All right, mother, answered Martin from his room. I'm already dressed. I'll ride the pony right over there. But Trot was gone, and Martin ran all the way. Why, why didn't you take your automobile and chase after her, asked the policeman when Martin told him the story. That's the best thing to do now. I'd go help you but I'm needed at the fire. You better start right away. You don't want to lose any time. Oh yes, answered Martin. I know, I know. I'll go right home and take out the car. 
but where do you think I had better chase to first? Inquire of the first person you meet, called out the policeman. Martin and his mother were soon in the car, but there were few people on the street, as nearly all had gone to the fire. Drive on our way, said the distracted little lady. Drive anywhere. It's better than sitting still. They hadn't gone very far before they saw Tiny riding Trot toward them. Were you worried, she called, hailing them from a distance. I went to the firehouse to warn them of the fire. She explained it all to them as she came up to the car, how she wakened and smelled the smoke, and how she didn't like to waken the little lady, and how she saw Trot fastened in the stable, and how she rode him to the firehouse. Dear, dear girlie, said the little lady, how brave you are. I'm so glad you didn't run away again. I never ran away, answered Tiny. I never, never ran away. We know you did once, dear, said the little lady, but we're trying to forget that. End of section 18 Tiny's Adventures in Tiny Town Recorded by Alan Lawley